This morning, uh, we're going to be jumping into a new series in Proverbs, and I'm really excited about it. If, if you're a guest, uh, I don't think I've introduced myself yet. My name is Eric Hoffman, one of the executive pastors here, and um, so, so grateful you're with us. And one of the things that we do at Fellowship is we teach expositionally through passages and, and books of the Bible. And what that essentially means is looking at the text and what it means and says, and then how do we apply it uh, to our lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing through uh, the book of Proverbs. Well, I want to begin before we kind of jump into Proverbs and kind of set kind of this tone of what Proverbs is talking about is seeking wisdom as if your life depends on it. It's one of the themes that kind of keeps coming up about wisdom is so tied to life and, and having this life that God calls us to. And so one of the questions I have for you, have you ever had to seek and find something as if your life depended on it? Is there ever a, is there a story that comes to mind uh, that you have had where it's like, man, you're such desperation to seek and find something. And, and, and in fact, you're like life depended on it. I know a couple of you in, in the room who are, are hunters, and I'm not going to call you out because you shared these stories in confidence, not, you know, pastor confidence, you know. But you, you've said, man, like I was out in the, in the wilderness and we were hunting and I got lost and I did not know where I was. I didn't know how to get back to camp. I didn't know how to find the other people in my party. And you want to talk about desperation and this panic that came over. And they, you know, they, they shared the story of like when they find their camp and all those things. And it's like, it's like their life is, you know, all is made right. But it's in those moments where it's like what you thought was priority just kind of like goes away. And it's just like, this is the only thing that matters in life. And if you're a parent, you, you may have had this and if your kids have ever gotten lost. And I remember one, uh, a couple of years ago, we as a family, it's right on Christmas time and so extended family and stuff was in and there's like this herd of us at the zoo. There's like 25 of us, you know, with all these little kids and kind of making our way through the zoo and we're leaving and we kind of get out to the parking lot and like, we're like almost to our car. And then I realized like, I have two of my three sons. I don't know where my third one is. And that moment of desperation and panic just sets in. You're like, how long has he been gone? Where is he at? You know, and it's like the zoo's a big place. You know, we're up in Nashville and this panic you know, sets in. My heart's beating. I'm sweating, like stressed out. And I'm sprinting back into the zoo and then like right by the gate, they strategically put this like gift shop, right, of all these things. And I'm just like, I know Luke. And I just had this suspicion. I think that's where he is, you know? And so I was heading back to where we were. And I jetted in there and sure enough, he's playing with some um, of the things that are on sale and going through all that kind of stuff. And at that moment, all relief like pays in. But Proverbs is actually kind of that thing of, of seeking for wisdom in a way that it's my life depends on it. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, hearing the book of Proverbs, I wasn't inspired to read it. And in thought, it was just kind of like these like pithy sayings that like, you know, your parents would say when you're in trouble, like, well, a dog returns to its vomit, you know, or, or whatever. And you're like, what does that mean? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And so it never like hit me, like, what is wisdom? Like, you know, what, is, what does that even mean? Why would I read Proverbs and like all these like random phrases about these things? Like it didn't make sense to me. But in studying this, I think we're, we, when we approach wisdom, it's not gaining knowledge about something. It's actually applying it to life. So here's, here's what wisdom is. It's kind of a definition we're working off of. Wisdom is the skill of navigating life with God in his world 
seeking and discovering how he designed life to be lived, to glorify him and enjoy him. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the skill of navigating life with God in his world, seeking and discovering how he designed life to be lived, to glorify him and enjoy him. So seeking wisdom and navigating this life as if our life depends on it. You know, Proverbs has this, this theme of wisdom is the path of life. Foolishness is the path of death. And it, and it contrasts those throughout the book of Proverbs. And really what we're talking about is kind of that sense of like choose in the path of wisdom is not just knowing these things about what Proverbs says, but actually the skill of applying wisdom. So in order to understand the uh, Proverbs is a, is a wisdom literature. And so you read wisdom literature differently than you would read a different genre of scripture, like a narrative or those type of things. And so to understand how to read Proverbs well, the Bible Project has an incredible video. Uh, I love uh, pointing people to the Bible Project. They do incredible work. But they have a video talking about what wisdom is and the word wisdom and how to read Proverbs. So I'd love for us to start off with this introduction. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes, the sharp, middle-aged critic. And Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. 
okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters one through nine in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And Chokmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success and no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. All right, so we're good. So see you later. See you next week. Uh, I just love how they simplify just like these complex ideas in, in four minutes. And one of the things that I want you to hear in that is like, you know, wisdom is an attribute of God, but biblical wisdom, you know, begins with what you know, but it's also applied in how you live. And I want you to look at um, Matthew 7. So one of the things about wisdom is it's not just talking about like in wisdom literature in those three places, but it's actually in that word, like it's an attribute of God woven through the whole story of scripture. So when you get to, the New Testament, it's not absent of Proverbs being a foundation of understanding of wisdom in this way. And so when you read the book of James, particularly, like you will see these interlinking connections back to the book of Proverbs. And I want to bring you to this one place in, in Jesus is talking about wisdom and what is wisdom. And he's essentially describing Hokmah in this way. Um, he, he says, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. So Jesus, again, his definition of wisdom is not just what you know, it's actually the skill of applying this wisdom and building your life on that. And then you see the diverging paths, again, the theme of, of Proverbs, of wisdom is life in, in building your house on the rock. And then there's the foolishness, this path that will lead to destruction. So he's bringing that back in. Now, one of the things for us as we begin the book of Proverbs and walk through different Proverbs uh, together over the next couple of weeks is one of the things I want you to think about is in this way, one of the things that over the last six months, year that has, has saddened me about the Christian church and even my own life is that when we think of what it means to be a Christian, we think of it only in like, uh, someone can just have a cognitive belief about Jesus and get some things right about who Jesus is and what he's done for him, and not, we kind of separate out actually applying and following Jesus as our, our, our rabbi, our, our, our Lord, like, and what that looks like. And so here's what I mean by this is like if you separate out being a Christian from following Jesus and orienting your life around his teaching and his ways, then you're, we're, we're not actually talking about the same thing. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus is what did he teach us and how do we orient our life 
around his teachings and his ways. That's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so when we get to the Sermon on the Mount that we walk through, Jesus didn't give us the Sermon on the Mount just to be like, hey, now you know some things. He actually wants us to live this way in the kingdom of God, that we actually flush out what that looks like in our world. So that is wisdom of actually applying these words to our life. So the skill of applying these words through the Spirit. So I pray as we start to look at the Proverbs, the Spirit would do what only he can do, to give us a desire for wisdom, to seek as if our life depended on it, and then start to orient our life around the teachings of God, the, the, the hokma, the skill of applying this into our lives. So to kick off our pursuit of wisdom, let's look at Proverbs 4. If you have your scriptures, this is our, the, the passage we're gonna be looking at today. Proverbs 4, 1 through 10. And I would love for you to stand as we read God's word for us today. Proverbs 4, 1 through 10. <clears throat> Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, and be intent, attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. So one of the things is uh, Proverbs 4 is one of the 10 speeches of a father to a son in the Proverbs. And the first word is very significant um, for us to pick up on. So anytime that the, the, the Hebrew behind the Jews were, would be listening to something and they hear these very similar phrases or words, they would be linking together. Where, where else is that in the scriptures? Now, many of them would have the whole uh, first five books memorized. And so they're thinking about this in this, this way of life. The scriptures are so much part of their life. The first word in Proverbs 4 is the word here. The word here in Hebrew means to listen, obey, and understand. So it doesn't mean, hey, just listen to my teaching. It actually is the same word for obey. So to hear is to obey. Now, where else do we hear, uh, where else do we see the word hear? A very significant place that the, the Jewish people of that time would have been saying the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear, every single day. Now listen to the language of the Shema. It is Proverbs 4, 1 through 10, just rewritten in a different way. Now listen to this. Hear, O Israel, so here is to listen and obey at the same time. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. 
You see the connection to, to Proverbs 4. Like they would have instantly made that connection. And it shows again that we're here in verse 10, that here is listen and obey. So, you know, it's, it's funny when, um, when I picked this proverb, I didn't know that child dedication would be on, on this day. But how, how fitting is, is that for us? It is, is most likely that Solomon penned this section of Proverbs. He's remembering back with fondness and tenderness his father's instructions and now is turning to children in general what he has picked up from his father. So when it comes to, um, when it comes to understanding generational wisdom and then fatherhood, we, we have it kind of built in us. We kind of understand what it means to be a good father and what it means to not be a good father. Like we kind of have that instinctively in us and some of you in your, in your stories, you know, you have really hard stories with your, with your fathers. Here's, here's what I, I wanted to implore us. When we, when we look for wisdom and seek it from God, we have this perfect father who is wanting to give us this generational wisdom, who's wanting to give us um, how we can operate and live in life. And I was reading um, this week in, in preparation of this, and the thinking about the, the you know what is happening in this passage is, is you know David has passed on things to Solomon and Solomon is passing them on. It's this generational wisdom that is picking up in Proverbs of a, of a father to a son. You know, this is a speech from a father to a son. Like what does the father want the son to know to be able to walk in this way of life? And so I was asking, I was thinking about the, the question of like, well, I think every, every follower of Jesus who's a, who is a dad wants to pass on their faith to their kids so that they own it and then follow Jesus in their life, right? Like, isn't that one of our greatest desires? But then I started thinking about, okay, what is that factor? Like, what is the, what is the indicator that someone will actually uh, follow Jesus into, into their adulthood? Like, what would you guys think it is? Like, from a parent to a child, they grow up and they, they own the faith. Like, just think about that. What do you think is some of the things that would need to happen for the faith to be passed to the son uh, or the child to, be, to own? Just think about that in your heads. Okay, everybody got an answer? Okay, shake your head if you, if you got an answer. Okay, I see, I see the, the five that shake their head, okay. Well, I was really surprised by what this, what this study found. I would have thought it would have been something about the teaching, the instruction, um, apologetics, like how to defend the faith or you know, something along those, along those natures. Well, here's what it was. Those things are important, okay? So I wanna be clear. Those things are very important. They said the number one indicator of whether a faith is being passed down and owned by the children is that the, ch the child felt secure enough in the relationship with the parent that they could share anything with them. And what that showed in, in, in the study was that it showed that the, the, the relationship was not gonna be in jeopardy if something came up that was not pleasant. The unconditional love was there. Now, here's interesting. Look at verse three. What do we see in verse three of chapter four? When I was a son with my father, what's the next word? Tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. Now that word tender means like cherished, and then like in the only one in the sight of the mother, he's kind of like pointing out to like, I felt like I was the only one because we know he wasn't. But think, think about this, that um, the tenderness of the father opened up the receiving of instruction. So here's, here's one of the things that where I then was led was remembering, I read this book about five years ago and it so impacted me. And it was talking about this very thing. 
It's talking about creating a secure bond with your children so that they experience the unconditional love of the Father and that they know that you're a representation of that tangible grace. And so they want to experience that with, with you and then they would want to experience that with God the Father. And this, it was telling the story of this counselor who specialized uh, in working with teens that have made some really bad uh, choices that were very destructive outside the home and then trying to bridge back what does relationship look like to restore that teen back into the home and relationship and trust to be restored with the parent. That's what this counselor uh, focused on and specialized in. And so you can imagine he had hundreds of just horrible stories of trust and being broken and all these things. But there was this one that stood out to him. He said, most of the time when parents would come in and uh, in this situation, it would escalate so much with anger and hurt and resentment that they couldn't even talk to each other without like screaming and talking over each other. But he said, there's this one instance where this, this mother and daughter were talking about something very difficult, that the daughter had made these destructive kind of patterns and behaviors and these lies were exposed. And the way that they talked about it and the way that the, the mother was actually not moving away, but actually moving towards the daughter and the daughter was moving towards the mom, he's just, he, he just kind of paused and was just like, I'm really curious what is going on in your relationship that this is happening. And here's what they, the daughter begins to say, every night since I was a little girl, my mom would come into my room and put me down to bed and we would cuddle and she would pray for me and then she would leave. And she, and, and the counselor was like, oh, okay, but when did that stop? And she's like, it hasn't stopped. She's a teenager, right? And the daughter says, even when my mom found out all of these terrible things that I tried to hide so well, all of my brokenness and, and some of the behaviors and the lies, she still cuddled every single night. And that bond was able to, to kind of be formed where the, the daughter experienced unconditional love, which led to godly sorrow, which led to repair, which led to... And so uh, one of the things I, I remember being so impacted by that, by that story, because here's the thing, don't we all want to be loved and accepted, not just for the good acceptable parts of us, but for someone to see even where we mess up the brokenness in us and still move towards us. Like as a child, I long that with my parents. As uh, in my relationship with God, I long that. As, as, a, as a, a wife and a husband relationship, like I don't want Melissa just to, to know just like the, the good parts about me and the acceptable parts and then like, oh, but, oh, I didn't know that was there and then like move away towards me. Like God See, here's what I want to be very clear. God sees you at your worst, the decisions that you make, the thoughts that go through your, your mind, the things that you choose to do. And he doesn't move in stiff arm and say, I'm disgusted, get your act together and then come back. That's not the love of the father. And so one of the things that I started doing with my boys, uh, very, very young from since they were a baby, is every night I cuddle them, I talk about their day, we pray, and then we go out. Now, I, uh, full disclosure, uh, I wish I wouldn't have started uh, this pattern sometimes because I'm super tired at night. And I'm like begging them, I'll give you more video game time if I don't have to cuddle you tonight, you know, things like that. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I would have thought when I started it, like maybe age eight, they're gonna hit this point. They're gonna be like, okay, dad, enough's enough. Like we don't have to cuddle, you know what I mean? Like, but every single night, they're the ones asking 
for me to come up. Are you cuddling tonight? That's what they shout down. Are you cuddling tonight? And I just wanna, I just wanna just, I, I shared this because in those moments, that has been the most tender times as a father and son relationship where they're sharing things about um, hardships that happen on the playground. They're sharing things about wh- what they're wrestling through. It all comes out in those moments. And they're the, they're the biggest gift for me as a dad to be able to instruct. And so here's what I wanna be very clear on. Verse three, the tenderness, the bond. Look at the next, look at the next verse. The next verses in four and five it says, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. See, I think when Solomon's remembering back his father's instructions, he's remembering back the tenderness of how his father gave those instructions. And it's both at the same time. It's not just instruction, it's the tenderness with the instruction. And you see, you see now that, that, that Solomon can actually say, he taught me and said to me, and that he so owned this because he knew the heart of his father for him. And so I, I, just, I just believe like that, that that research and this coming, coming together, like that this is, it's, it's yes, teach, instruct, show the, show the commands of God, show the wisdom of God, and show the tenderness of God at the same time that those, those two aren't inseparable, they're actually together. And th- what a gift that is. So while the father is instructing, he's actually showing this. Now, notice that we saw in, in verse 10, we see the same word here, and he get, then goes in. Now, here's the thing I wanna show you. Verse 10, hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. Now, while this is a proverb, it's not a promise, it does speak to this, this, the, again, the metaphor of there's a path of life, there's a path of destruction, and that if you walk in this, that there is kind of this, this promise of, of your life being, re, being full in, in how God has it. And again, I would come back and say, God wants us to flourish. He, you know, Jesus, you know, in John 10, 10, he said, I, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life to the full. The wisdom of God is actually for us to enjoy God and learn how to enjoy the way he's designed this world and find enjoyment with him forever. Like that's one of the the beauty of that, of how do we glorify God and enjoy him forever. So look at this. uh, I mean, think about, you don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 6 is bringing up this concept of the command tied to a promise. And so in Ephesians 6, it's reflecting back on one of the 10 commandments. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. That's the commandment. And he says, this is the first commandment given with a promise. So what's the promise? That it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. So this is, this is where I wanna pull it back together into, into verse 10. Hear my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many, is looking at the 10 commandments and the promise given there that, that now one of the things I want you to see is that the father, what's the father's responsibility in Proverbs 4? To teach, to instruct, to give the commands of God, to make sure that his child knows the ways of God, right? To do that tenderly. What's, but let's not, let's not let the son off the hook. What's the son's responsibility? Look at this. Hear my son, 
accept my words, you know, put this into practice, put this into your heart, live out these commandments so that you may live. So what's the son's responsibility here? It's not just to hear, what is it? To obey, right? To accept these words, so to, to hear my father's instructions. So one of the things we should be praying for our hearts, so this goes whether you're a parent or not, we should be praying that our hearts are so humble that we would not be wise in our own eyes, but to receive the instruction of God, sometimes through our fathers. And so if you're a parent, you want to be that instruction of God, right? So we're, we're praying that our hearts are moved, because what does the son have to do? He hears, he accepts, he receives, and he obeys. Okay, that's how the son walks into that. Now, isn't that like the gospel? that we, we know the good news of Jesus, but we still have to receive and then follow, okay? We receive the good news of Jesus. We don't just hear about it. We don't, we don't just say, oh, that's something that happened. No, we receive that for ourselves, and that so changes us that we then uh, respond. This is why, you know, if you, if you haven't read um, the Bible all the way through, this is one of the things that's really interesting when you start to do it. You start to see how the Bible is interwoven together. And one of the things that we don't have um, time to, to do, and I'm gonna kind of cut this out of a message, is I want you, to, if you're taking notes, this week I want you to read Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And in this section, uh, particularly um, verses 1 through 9, I want you to go through and see how interconnected Deuteronomy 4 and Proverbs 4 is. One of the things that's interesting about Deuteronomy 4, this is when God's giving them the law before they go into the promised land. And that it's so, it's saying, you live out, show this under wisdom and understanding, obey my commands, teach them to your children. And then here's the other thing that it says. It says, when you live in such a way with this wisdom and understanding, obeying my commands that I'm giving you today, the nations around you will be able to see how near your God is to you and that he answers your prayers. Isn't that interesting? So when we seek wisdom, when we seek life, when we obey, when we hear and obey, it's not just for our life. It's actually that others around us in our world will see the wisdom and understanding that God has given us and how wise God is and how near he is to us that they then will want to know and come near to the God who gives this type of wisdom. So here's what I wanna leave you with. Seek wisdom as if your life depended on it, but seek wisdom as if it your neighbor's life depended on it. That is, if your child's life depended on it, as if your coworker's life depended on it, because it does. That is, you live wisely. And this is why I think I'm so excited for Proverbs in this time, is don't we need wisdom for how to navigate this life and all the complexities that are happening in our world around us? Doesn't our world need to see Christians who are living with such wisdom that they say, wow, your God is near you? and they're drawn to life with God, we need to walk with wisdom in such a way that it draws others to the Father. What a beautiful thing that would be. One of the things uh, I want you to do um, as way of homework, 
is, is sometimes people, will, okay, what's my, what's my next step? What's, what's something I can do tangibly this week? Well, one of the things, if you're not regularly reading your Bible, I would love as we're walking through the book of Proverbs, read a chapter of Proverbs every day. It'll take you, it'll take you probably five minutes to read a chapter of Proverbs as we're walking through this. Some of you, I just wanna encourage you, if you've never read through the whole scripture together uh, through, from beginning to end, that may feel very overwhelming for how do I do that? There's an app called Read Scripture app, the Read Scripture app, and they actually have all the Bible Project videos in there and they give you the chunks of scripture you need to read every day. If you're like, okay, how do I start with my kids? How do I start to pass these things on, these, this wisdom, this instruction? We have some resources in the, in the lobby, uh, the, uh, some parent resources in there. One of the things that I, I sometimes will use with my kids is the New City Catechism. Of, it has songs and prayers and scripture for them to memorize about who God is. So it would, would encourage you to, to do that as well. So here's what I wanna do. We wanna come to the table this morning. And I wanna come to the table in this way, that we would seek the wisdom of God in such a way that it's like our life depended on it, that we need that wisdom. So I want you to take your elements and as we're, as we're praying for this, I want you to think about that, that Jesus is the perfect wisdom, that he became the wisdom of God in flesh. And we see how to respond with righteousness, love and grace and truth. And the heart of the law what it means to love God with all of our hearts and to love others in that way that, that we would come to him so desperate for wisdom because we, only, we believe that Jesus is our life and offers us wisdom in how to follow him and how to navigate in this life. So this morning, we just to think, it's just like, you know, a prayer to be praying would be, Father, would you so soften my heart to receive the instruction, to receive the wisdom that I, that, I would be, that I would be desperate for your instruction, that I would be desperate. Would you change my heart to make me not wise in my own eyes, but wise with the wisdom of God? To not just hear these words, but to actually apply. So as we take the bread in our hands, Jesus, we remember that you are the one that we follow, that we orient our life around your teachings, your way that you have showed us. So Jesus, help us to follow you with our whole heart, with our whole lives. Thank you for coming and showing us the way to the Father. Thank you for your wisdom. So Jesus, we remember your life broken for us, taken you. In the same way, Jesus, we remember that we cannot live this life with wisdom of, of applying without your spirit. So we ask for your spirit to fill us, to help us walk and navigate this life, to love you with our whole hearts to love others as the same. So we thank you for not only your forgiveness, but your instruction, your life, your resurrection. Take and drink. Would you stand as we sing about the faithfulness of God and to seek it with all that we are?